Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for being part of the audience that makes up this show for over six years and 611 episodes, which is just crazy to me that we've been doing this for so long. But one of the great things is we've interviewed really smart people who are doing really cool things. And today is going to be one of those episodes. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Spectrum Spectrum Reach. At Spectrum Reach, they know three things better than anyone. They know how to handle the power of multi-screen advertising. They know how to offer a simplified one-stop shop destination for marketing solutions. And they know our cities and towns because they're our neighbors. They are the most trusted media partner in America. Go visit them at SpectrumReach.com to get started. So today's show, I have an old friend on. I met Diane Mulligan, gosh, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. She used to do booking for speakers. She used to have a speakers bureau and I worked for several of her clients. She was really cool. She did really good work. And then she also had a company where she was doing PR. And uh, one day she decided that the PR company was where her focus was going to have to be. So I cried a little bit because she ran a really good little boutique speakers bureau. However... Her PR clients cheered because all of her attention went that way. So Diane is a former journalist who uses all of her skills and her connections to over deliver for her clients. And one of the things that I thought was cool was years ago, I had breakfast with her at a little like egg and I type restaurant outside of Denver. And she was talking about the transition she was making to go all in on PR. And one of the things she was going to focus on was CBD companies. Now, Think about this. This was seven years ago. I'm like, oh, my God, my friend is doing PR for pot. That was kind of cool. <laughs> but of course, over the last several years, uh, CBD has been made legal everywhere in the United States. And THC, the other side of, of the cannabis equation, is making its way slowly legalization around the country. It's no longer weird or bizarre or like having to whisper it. She does cannabis marketing and PR. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to bring her on. She is the president of M&C Communications. Hey, Diane Mulligan, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. How are you today? I'm doing great. And, you know, I thought it would be fun to come on and talk because there's there's so many changes going on in that that world of of, of CBD and on the other side, the, the, the THC side. There's so many things going on and you really have an early seat when it came to doing PR for companies in this space. So uh, before we jump into that, let's go a little bit backwards into your story. You started off as a journalist. Tell me some more about that. I did. I started off as a journalist uh, for the first 15 years of my career. Started at little tiny stations um, at, in Tucson, made way, my way to NBC in New York, which was great. I was senior editor there for NBC News, then came back to Denver, thought I was going to have a little life balance. Instead, I had Columbine. Um, and so uh, after Columbine, about a year after Columbine, where I was news director at the ABC affiliate, 
I decided it was time to make a change. And that's when I moved into PR. And I have been doing PR ever since I started my company. Um, I worked as a uh, for the National Stroke Association for almost a decade. And then I started my own company and we'll be 12 years old next year. Wow. So I'm pretty excited. Now, for a while there, you had a, a, a separate arm of it where you were working with speakers. How did that come about for a PR person, former journalist? You know, it was it's great because when you're a former journalist, presentation is so much part of what you do. And so we had great experience on that side. Um, and then I had I had run so many conferences when I was at National Stroke and gone to so many conferences. I really felt comfortable in talking to the people who booked as far as what they were looking for. And that's always my goal is to figure out what the client's looking for and then really deliver that. And when I met you, it was an easy sell. Believe me. <laughs> well, you definitely. I always tell people, I go, you know, I, I don't work a lot with bureaus, but I go, there was this boutique bureau. The lady was great. She was a hard worker. She was really driven. But then the other side of her business is where she put her focus. And I go, I've always been sad that she stopped representing speakers and, and being a bureau. <laughs> Well, it's one of those things where when you're building um, your business, you want to make sure. And remember, we started, it was, we were in the depths of the recession. So um, what worked one month may not work the next month during that time. So it was important to have different segments of my business to keep that cash flow going. And it worked out very well. Um, but it was interesting. The Speakers Bureau really, the Speakers business really changed. And I had less and less impact um, as from a selling standpoint, because of the um, the groups that were then making the decisions as opposed to um, the people that I was talking to directly. So that's why I decided, plus I, I really do love the PR side. I love telling people stories, um, especially when we're talking about underdog clients. They're my favorite kind of clients. Well, and that, that sort of transition, I always remember having breakfast when you were talking to me about that you were going to step out of the, the Speakers Bureau game and focus on the PR side and that, that you were going to have this niche with, you know, cannabis companies. Now, you lived in Colorado. It seemed so risque. It's like, wow, look at that. And this was before anybody knew the difference between CBD and THC. And I was like, wow, you know, Diane's so edgy, you know, former journalist. Look at her. She's kind of, you know, she looks a little buttoned up and, and all that. Look at her. She's marketing cannabis companies. So granted, you lived in Denver, but what made you focus? I know you do other types of PR for other types of companies, too. But what made you have a niche right there as much as seven you years know, ago? Yeah, you know, it was it's the wild, wild. It's still the wild, wild west out here. Um, and because we were the first, it was fantastic to be able to start working with um, both marijuana and CBD companies, so cannabis companies all along. And, and so everybody is, understands CBD, um, depending on where you are, either has no or less than 0.03% of THC. And THC is the, the um, element that gets you high. That, that's the fun, so that's the CBD, fun part, right? That's the, that's the. Well, I have to tell you, as I get older, <laughs> the CBD part makes me very happy. And you can get, you can get combinations um, because you have different effects on your body when, and so you, you really have to understand and read the labels and, and know what you're looking at. But um, we really have started focusing on the CBD side for the health and wellness benefits um, that so many people are experiencing. And certainly during COVID, um, there is a lot of anecdotal information on how it helps reduce 
anxiety. For me personally, it's when I work out the next day or even right afterwards. Um, it really helps with aches and pains and uh, helps reduce, you can feel it, reduce that inflammation immediately, but we don't make any medical claims about it. This is really a wellness situation and the FDA hasn't even decided um, how everything's going to be classified. We're hoping by the end of the year for that to happen. So the exciting thing is that there's this whole wellness component to it. Um, the also exciting thing is that it's constantly changing. As a former journalist, where you come in at nine, you really have no idea what the day's going to give you, and you put it on at five, that's how I'm wired. I love having that excitement of walking in every day and, and saying, what am I going to react to today? Um, but I also love um, looking ahead and saying, what are the questions that could be asked? What's going to change for businesses um, so that we help them prepare for that? And we uh, we call that brand protection PR, where we were forecasting what could happen and helping um, and helping companies be prepared for that because that's so very important. And I do. I want to talk about this brand protection PR that, that you talk about. But first, I want to go back to this. When you when you first chose this industry, uh, it was a little bit of the Wild West. I call this show Making Waves at Sea right. Level. So, you know, why, why did you think as a PR person you could make waves in the marijuana slash CBD business world? I think one of the biggest reasons is because of what the stigma is around cannabis and that changing stigma is really, really important so that people are educated. And I myself was not that educated. And when I went and I started doing my research and realized there were these potential benefits and that this was right here and, and it, it could help you um, possibly instead of taking uh, opioids, this may be something that could help you. Um, it can help people out there, but that we had to get the, the research and we had to get the education and we had to get people to understand how it was going to be used. Um, and then the other thing I really loved about um, it being legalized is when it's legalized, then you have rules and regulations around it. So you're not just going down to the guy on the corner <laughs> and buying whatever, right? And not knowing exactly what you're getting, but... Um, for most companies, every batch is tested. So you know exactly what's in that batch. And they have a certificate of analysis that tells you what's in that batch. And I thought that that was so important. So that people really, not only did they understand more about cannabis, but they understood more about what exactly they were getting. And that's huge to give that type of education. And we love to do that. So a lot has changed since you, you got into this world. And of course, Colorado has been kind of the, the epicenter of it. Let's talk about how your engagement with the industry has changed. So from the early days to now, what have you been doing at MNC Communications? Well, we, we talk a lot at conferences, and that's really, really important where we do education about how important uh, PR is. People think that PR is kind of fluffy. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that PR can save your reputation. And in this day and age... And with social media, what we do has changed so much. Crisis is huge. And so, you know, within five minutes on Twitter, you can go, if you're not prepared, you can go from having a great reputation to completely losing your reputation. Um, also, it's not just social media, but just think of 2020, the cultural changes that we've gone through that can happen overnight. 
um, and how that can happen, that, how that can impact your business if you're not ready. And so that's what I think has changed dramatically. Before it was education about cannabis. Now it's much more education on how you absolutely have to have a plan so that you can protect your business and protect your reputation. So there's sort of the two sides. There's the, 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 the marijuana THC side and there's the CBD side. I don't think most people listening know the difference. So not that this is your total area of expertise, but could you just give us a little bit uh, of what the difference is? Right. So THC is pot that you have known for years and years that people smoke or ingest to get high. That And it's the THC that gets you high. And it's the amount of THC that's in whatever you're ingesting that gets you high. With CBD, it either has no THC or extremely little, a little amount of THC, but it's the rest of the hemp plant. And so the rest of the hemp plant is what gives you the benefits, um, at the wellness benefits uh, that don't include the high. So you feel better, but you're not high at the same time. And so that's really the difference. So CBD was approved last year with the farm bill. And so you can buy CBD products now at Walgreens. I mean, you can buy them just about anywhere. Um, but the, the point is that you want a company who knows what they're doing. You want a company who is, some of them are actually mixing the two together. So you need to understand what's in what you're buying. Um, and you need a company who is making sure that, you know, there have been qu questions about heavy metals being in CBD because of the extraction process um, and other things. You want to make sure that you know, you understand what the company stands for and what their brand is. So PR for these companies, I would think, is very important because there's a lot of stigma. There's there's a lot of cultural, you know, history, pro and negative or around, you know, these types of products. So when people come to a company like yours for PR, what, what's the initial reason they're they're coming to you? Well, they want to build their brand's name and they want to build their brand credibility. And we call that the trust bucket. And they want to fill their trust bucket up so that when people think that they're going to go buy something, um, they're going to go buy their product over somebody else's product. And that's one of the things that we do. You know, we're building the reputation and the credibility, and we're kind of building a, a wall of protection around the company. Whereas when you go to a marketing firm, they're actually selling the product. And that's kind of the difference between PR and marketing, and we work hand in hand, and there's times when it overlaps. But the biggest thing is that you want to build a very loyal customer base who comes back to you time and time again, because we know it's so much easier to sell to people who already know and like you than it is to sell and, and bring in that new customer. So our goal is to, while we're bringing in new customers, we're providing additional uh, information, uh, additional fun, building that brand, filling that trust bucket so that the people that buy from you really come to know you and understand who you are. And then when and if, and it's usually a when, something negative happens, they already know you. And so they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And when you say this is what really happened or this is the what happened in the industry, but that's not who we are, um, you've got some credibility there. And that is huge, um, especially in this day and age. So one of the things that, that you talked about a minute ago was this whole idea of brand protection PR. And I don't know that I've ever heard of that before. We talked about it uh, before this call and I thought, oh, we've got to go deeper into that. What do you mean by brand protection PR and, and why should companies in all industries be thinking about this? 
Absolutely. So brand protection PR is basically um, building your audience and building that reputation, but then looking out the next six months, uh, especially with your C-suite and saying, what are the things that could happen? And you kind of, it's a big long list that you can come up with, but then we have a scoring tool that says, what's the likelihood that it's going to happen in the next six months? If we take the time to do something about it now, will that mitigate any negative impact that we would have? And when I say do something about it now, that talks about putting together a plan, having uh, press releases already drawn up. It would basically, we call them Swiss cheese. You'd fill in the holes with the details, having social media already drawn up. And lastly, who's going to be on the team if this happens. So who's going to be the spokesperson? Who's going to be the team lead? Who's going to be the backups for both of those people? And how will the whoever's in charge, um, the other part is legal, always remember legal because legal's got to be there too, but whoever's in charge, how are they going to work within the company so that this is everybody in the company's on the same page? We always say your first audience are your employees. Always. The first audience is always your employees because you don't want them learning things from the news. Mm -hmm. You don't want them hearing information. And you also they want to know what's happened to their job based on whatever the crisis is. So we sit down with companies with this tool and we come up with two or three scenarios and then we have all the documents, everything ready to go. The media training is done. You've already, and then on the other side, we're building that community so that you have that trust bucket filled. You put all that together. And when you have something happen, you can react so quickly um, and effectively. And remember, it is not just something that happens to your company. It can be something that happens in your industry. Uh, one of the biggest uh, events that we did was there was a huge listeria outbreak in the cantaloupe industry um, about 10 years ago. And uh, these little farmers down in Southeast Colorado, the company that had the listeria outbreak used their name, Rocky Ford. Um, and the name then had not been trademarked, had not been there, nothing had been done because they'd been there for 125 years. They never had a problem. But they woke up one morning and heard that more than 30 people had died and hundreds of people had been sickened in, in dozens of states, if you can imagine. And this is their livelihood. They had nothing to do with this. But for two months, even in the CDC reports, they called it Rocky Ford Kenlope. So we had to go down there and figure out how to rebuild that brand because they had never done any type of brand protection. And that's why brand protection is so very, very important is that that could have been handled so quickly. And instead, it could have been a complete disaster for them. So, you know, I've, I've, I know a little bit about crisis PR. I've worked for companies that have dealt with crisis and been one of the people kind of involved behind the scenes on some of that. But crisis PR is always so reactionary, right? It's like, oh, we have a crisis. Now we have to do PR. What you're saying is anticipate some crises, crises and get your plan in order. And then whatever happens, you can fill in those holes and it's not sort of zero to 60 panic. Is that is that right? Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And remember, people think of a crisis plan as this huge three ring binder that goes up and, and you have our crisis plan is two pages. I mean, two pages and the documents are electronic and they're ready to go so that if it happens, you know, I always use this example. Um, I was in 9-11. I was in New York for 9-11. I covered Columbine. My whole life was crises. Um, 
so I'm very good in a crisis, but I was speaking down in Colorado Springs and I, at the end of the night, I came out when I was going to my hotel room, walking outside, came around a corner and came face to face with a bear. He was 500 pounds. He was walking straight toward me. He was not 10 feet from me. And all I could think is, I, I have no idea what to do. Should I get big? Should I get small? While I'm thinking all these thoughts, I started running because I went into fight or flight. I didn't know I was running until I was already running, which is the very worst thing. You I, do. I, I was going to say, I know from my, my outdoor training, you do not run from a bear because then the bear's like, oh, let's go get that. Well, and if you're me, I don't run a lot, nor do I camp. So the whole idea of running into a bear was like nothing I had ever dreamed of. Yet when, when 9-11 happened, we were one of the first people off, the, off Manhattan because that's my training. But this was something I never dreamed of. My goal is that the companies I work with don't hit the bear. <laughs> when the crisis happens, they've already thought through, here are the steps we're going to take, and they can start moving. Because being calm in a crisis is really, as you know, half the battle. Mm -hmm. And having that stuff that's already ready, and, and in this day and age, you need to be able to respond immediately, mm -hmm. immediately. And who's going to who's going to be on social media and, and monitoring it and seeing what people say so that you can respond. And how are you going to, you know, all the all the traditional media that's going to be on the phone? How's that going to happen? And where are you going to send them on your website? All those things, if you can think about them beforehand. And again, it's about four to eight hours worth of work and you're good and you can sleep at night. And that's mm -hmm. one of my goals is that people are able to sleep at night with their companies and that they're protecting their reputation. So, Diane, I know another thing. You, you don't just deal with the sort of the crisis side. You also plan ahead positively for marketing and PR things for your clients. And you have an interesting sort of tagline, I guess. Maybe it's it's the title of, of, of a book. But uh, that is, you know, when it comes to all this stuff that, that you work on with your clients, you teach everybody you work with that they've got to move the stairs. And absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely love the story behind where this comes from and how you do it. So so when you tell people who work for you, hey, we've got this big client, we have to move the stairs. What do you mean? In the short version is that you have to look at what you, the day gives you or the time gives you or the situation gives you and be as creative as possible. Because most people are sitting there thinking, if only this, if only that, if only the other thing. Instead, we don't think if only we're like, okay, what can we do? And we figure out what to do. And we usually figure it out faster. And that gives everybody uh, the chance for great success. The longer story is that I was, um, as I said, in, in news as a journalist. And this was my first um, field production night. I'm in my 20s. And uh, it was Senator McCain's reelection. So we knew he was going to win. We're in Phoenix. And I go to the ballroom where they're going on election night, where they're going to have him give his acceptance speech. And there's a big riser with a podium on it. And the goal in news is to have the candidate first after they give the acceptance speech. Yeah. You want to be the one who, who gets the who gets the the the, the what, what are they called? The soundbite out of them as they exactly. walk off stage. The first soundbite interview, the excitement, the crowd's going wild. And now you have the guy or the gal. And I walk into this ballroom and I realize that the stairs leading from the podium 
um, actually go to my competition who are set up on the correct side of the ballroom for where he would come down. And I'm on the other side and I'm not even next to the podium and next to the riser. I'm next to PBS. PBS is closer than I am, which was like a death knell. <laughs> so I was looking, what the heck can I do? What yeah, I have to do something. I have let, to do let's face it. When it comes to television news and going back 20, 25 years, PBS wasn't making waves, right? They no, weren't. They were not going to be the cutting edge no, interview. No, right? no. This was to get him to. So I look at the riser, and there are these huge stairs attached to the risers, but they had big wheels on the back of them, and there were these bolts. So I went around to the other side of the riser, and I saw that the, the stairs could have been bolted in on either side. So I just sat there and I bolted the stairs and lifted them up and rolled them around to my side. Before everybody got there, I mean, the other stations were there, but nobody's paying attention to me. In fact, they probably thought, what the heck is she doing? <laughs> anyway, I put the stairs on my side. That night, not only did we get him first, but the other stations couldn't even get near him because the crowd surged and we won the night. And from that <laughs> time on, my philosophy has been to move the stairs, whether I'm working for my clients, in my personal life, anyone who works for me, they better move the stairs too. And we use, we actually say, this is what we did on a daily basis where we moved the stairs. So well, we I, to move I, the stairs. Having worked in the meetings business, I'm sure that somewhere there was a hotel ballroom union who was not happy that those stairs That's were moved right. by somebody. But, <laughs> but very true. I love, it is such a colorful story. I love the fact that, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know the call letters that you had, but ABC, CBS are on one side and, and you're on the other side and you move the stairs and now you get the main interview and it's one of those things that so often people would have been on the other side going like oh we're not going to get to see the senator and by taking some action you know right. changing the exactly. game just a little bit sets exactly. you up sets you up to win so what advice do you have for companies in both the the cannabis world and any world how can they move their stairs the first thing is to be prepared when you're prepared then and you have a goal then you have a plan of action and that makes such a difference. And that comes from my journalism training. You know, when something happens or when you come in for the day, you, you plan the day, you know what stories you think you're going to have. Now, the stories could change 10 times before the five o'clock news. But the point of the fact is, is that you have a plan and you start out. So having that plan, um, it's consistent, it's clear, compassionate, consistent communication that's so very important. Um, people do want to hear from you. You're not going to bug them. There's ways to do it so you don't bug them. But if they know that you're there and that you care about them and the compassion part, especially at this point in time in, in our lives in the country, so very, very important in, in the tone and tenor of what you're doing. And it has to be about them. Um, and that not only builds your reputation, but can also help on your marketing side because people will like you. And when they like you, they buy from you. Mm -hmm. When they believe in you, they buy from you. So you have to have both sides and then you must be prepared to think about what could be coming down the pike and many times it's something that you didn't think of but the fact of the matter is is that you have the steps in your head and it makes it very never could have imagined 9-11 but when 9-11 happened I stood up. I started making the appropriate phone calls. Um, I got water. I got food. We got money immediately. Everything happened. And that was my training. And that's what I think we bring to companies is that um, we help them think ahead 
And while it's scary, people don't like to think about crisis. It's one of the reasons we call it brand protection because they're <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to think about that. But the point is, is that if you're protecting your brand, it's insurance. It's insurance that you would buy for your business. You buy all kinds of insurance, right? This is insuring your reputation and ensuring you know what to do. And that really does help you sleep better at night. And it helps you focus on your company in a whole different way. So, Diane, I have just a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves like Diane Mulligan. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I <clears throat> and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Diane, I, I love the fact that you're working with companies that are really making waves, right? Both both in in the in the CBD and cannabis world, but also other types of clients that you work with. But but focusing on that world because it changes so much. What is it that you like about the executives who you get to work with in these companies? Well, the executives that I work with uh, are risk takers, and they love being on the cutting edge. And talking about making waves, I mean, some of them, especially some of the ones that that started seven, six, seven years ago, um, when we didn't really know where this was all going, um, that that they had the vision and and they had the fortitude to to work through this. One of the companies I worked with has already been sold. Um, it was uh, he made uh, infused chocolates, and he he was probably early thirties, really early thirties. Um, and, uh, when he, when I met him, I'm much older than that. And I was so impressed with his vision and how he was going about it. And at that point, things changed constantly. I mean, packaging changes alone were unbelievable back then because, uh, and things and labeling and all the other things that are, that are happening. And it has serious impact on the business. It's not like you, you go in and you know, let alone the whole banking issue. I mean, think mm -hmm. about that. People were walking around with, the, with the huge, huge bags of money and having to go down and have security and all the things that were going on. Um, a lot of that has settled down a bit, but I, what I love most is that they, t they saw something that they really thought could help people. Um, they saw an opportunity to have a great business that would make a profit because we're all in business to make money and, and we get that. Um, but they, they had this inner strength that said, you know, I'm not too worried about knowing where it's going or how it's going, but I'm going to go there with it. And so we love to work with companies like that because we like that challenge of not knowing really what's coming down or thinking it could come down now. I mean, shoot, we've been waiting for these FDA rulings on how we're going to e how we're even able to talk about CD. We've been waiting for that for almost a year. And then you have something like COVID happen. Um, but then you find out that the, the dispensaries, you know, are allowed to be open even in the states that have shut everything else down, which was never expected. So you have all these twists and turns. That's the best part, I think, about being in this industry. 
Well, that's that's sort of a sideline story. But I did when they were shutting everything down back in, in mid and late March. Uh, I do remember reading an article from Colorado that the governor had shut everything down. And then the next day said dispensaries and liquor stores uh, could be open right. because the doctors. <laughs> because the lines. Well, I just it, have to tell you, the lines outside of those places. It was unbelievable. But it was uh, doctors who reached get, out. I have to get my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it was doctors who reached but, out and said, look, with everything that's going on. We can't have people who use, you know, the, the, the CBD and the THC products for anxiety. And we can't have people right. who are, have drinking problems suddenly going into detox. You know, the, exactly. you cannot shut these things down or we're going to have worse health no. crisis. No, but who would have thought that that would have ended up um, propelling the industry forward? That COVID would, the COVID situation would have propelled the industry forward. And, you know, that's what I love is that you don't know where it's going, but man, you get to react to that kind of stuff. And if you have everything ready to go um, and you're just dropping in new information, then you're ahead of the, the pack there. And it's a great opportunity. And that's what I look at it is even in a crisis, there are opportunities in every situation. You just have to find them and make the most of them. Well, and it's it's an industry that is growing and changing. And, you know, it's it's not like, uh, you know, they can poach from one another because there's just not uh, uh, masses of people with experience in the industry. So I work right. people listen to the show know that I work for an executive search firm and we have a really robust practice helping place executives into uh, cannabis oriented industries and the interesting thing is is that what that means is in your search you have to look for people who are risk takers who are adaptive because you're not going to find somebody with 40 years of cannabis you know uh experience well i mean you might if they were on that street corner but you know in the in in the world that we're talking about you know that these companies they have to get they have to get super creative when they find cfos and cios and and ceos and chief sales operators because it's a brand new world right it really is. I mean, whoever comes into the business has to um, embrace change. That has to be something that excites them, something that they look forward to. This cannot be somebody who is coming in, who wants to come in and do a nine to five. And and that's fine. That's absolutely there are total. There's so many jobs that that would be appropriate for. But when when you're thinking about being in this industry, you have to get excited about the fact that there's going to be a lot of change and there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. And and it's all about what you can do to make the most of that and look at that as great opportunity because you never know where it's going to come from. And nowhere is it more uh, nowhere is there a better example than 2020. So, Dan, the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is when you look out into the business world, be it entrepreneurs or larger companies, uh, who do you look at and admire? Who do you say, wow, she or he, they're the ones making waves? Oh, well, I think of Nancy White over at Wanna Brands, who was one of the very first that were was out there. And, and her brand is is now this international brand. They've just come up with these new gummies. And, and the, the whole thing when you take a gummy and it's on the THC side, um, any edible, uh, it used to be that you have to wait 45 minutes before you get that little hit that comes in. Um, they just came out with a brand new brand that um, the, the, um, it, it, it comes in much more quickly. Um, and the other thing is it's much safer that way because especially people who are, don't know that much about edibles, um, you know, they, they eat an edible. And then and they, think they, they think they need more 45 minutes later exactly. and they overdose. Yeah, exactly. And the next thing you know, they're having a bad, um, <laughs> a bad night. It's not, they just, 
Yeah, well, it's a bad night. Yeah, it's nothing serious, but it's not what they were hoping for. That's for sure. So, you know, people like that who are constantly looking at innovating, I think are so very, very important. And people who give back, uh, Joy over Joy Smith over at Joy Organics, um, the amount of giving back that she does is just amazing um, with her company, with her CBD. Um, and, and she does it all over the world. I mean, she's, she's working with people in South Africa. I mean, she's, she's just amazing with the way she cares. Um, and I think that's, that has to be part of your company is, is what are you doing to give back? But she also does a fantastic job of telling that story. And that's where the PR comes in, of course, is telling the story and telling it well. So those are two people that I always look up to and think they just do a fabulous job. So, Diane, if somebody has a business in the, the CBD or the cannabis world or really any industry and they're thinking, yep, this is the type of PR person I want to work with. I need to work with somebody who makes waves. And clearly it's Diane Mulligan. How do they find you? <laughs> they can go to our website at m the word and so M and C spell it out MNC communications with an S.com. Um, they can find us at MNC comms on Twitter. Um, they can find us at MNC comms on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, they can listen to our podcast, which is of course called the move the stairs podcast. Imagine nice. that Tom. And so, <laughs> uh, they can watch every Friday on Facebook. We're live and we look at the biggest PR challenges of the week before, whether, um, and many times it has to do with CBD, but sometimes it's just general challenges. Um, and we're on for an hour at noon mountain time. Um, and then of course you can also look on our YouTube page and, and find the, the ones from before or listen to us on the podcast. Um, but the move the stairs chat, the move the stairs podcast, but just reach out to us cause we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, and just just chat with you about your ideas and your needs and how we can help you move the stairs. Well, I am so glad that you came on today as a guest. This was delightful, as I knew it would be, and informative. Uh, and that's what we try to do every single day on the show. Any last advice for people? Um, if you're if you know anybody who's not listening to Tom's podcast, <laughs> Making Waves, tell them to listen to Tom's podcast. That's one. And and Tom, it was an honor to even be asked. So I really appreciated it. It was it was tremendous fun. And if you haven't tried CBD, um, I would say, you know, try it um, and just take small amounts and see what you see what you find out about it. But there's a lot of new information and there's a lot more that's coming um, in 2021. So we're pretty excited about it. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this? It's all about you. I started off the show. It was sort of my secret way to get access to smart people doing really cool things. But really, it turned in to giving that information out to everybody who listens. So thank you very much. And everybody who tells me, hey, I listen to your podcast. When I ask them, how did you find my show? I mean, with thousands of business podcasts they always say somebody i know my mom my boss my neighbor somebody told me about the show so please yeah i love it when you leave reviews on on apple podcasts reviews five stars little nice comment makes my day brighter but even more important go tell some people no i'll wait you can tell them right now no i'll wait all right, thank you. Much appreciate that. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody who's making waves just like Diane. And you're thinking, how will you find somebody as cool as Diane? We do it every time. But in the meantime, go out there, make your own waves, flex your entrepreneurial muscles. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. 
without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.